This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. We're ready to go live. We're live. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Tulio Sergusa with Dojo Live. Today is, what's today? Today's Tuesday, October 6th, 2020. Welcome back to another episode of Dojo Live. We have an amazing guest today. We have George Thornman, who is the CEO of Interview IA. He's going to be talking to us about HR tech. But before we do that, I want to welcome my co-hosts, Kim Lantis in New Mexico and Carlos Ponce in Cornavaca, Mexico. Welcome hey. back, guys. Oh, you got the right. You got it. It's no longer outside of Mexico right. City. Exactly. Just outside of Mexico it's City. No <laughs> I don't I know. I know, right? Um, so, and Joe, where are you uh, chiming in from today? Uh, I'm out of Denver, Colorado. So, All right. Excellent. Yeah. All right, excellent. Well, welcome to the show. Let's get to know you a little bit. Let's start by uh, you telling us a little bit about Joe. What do we What do we need to know? Tell us a little bit about you, and then we'll talk about your company, and we'll go into the topic. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I am uh, close to a Colorado native. Moved here when I was three, but my dad was in the Air Force, so I happened to be born right outside of Boston. And uh, moved here when I was young. Always grew up playing tech and loving sports. And so just kind of fell in love with the human connection. Uh, I'm going to switch to a headset. How's that? Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, we heard you perfectly fine before, too. Perfectly. Yeah, oh, I heard an echo coming back at me, so I stopped. Um, all right. So, uh, but yeah, so. I always fell in love with technology and then went into Cisco routing and switching, um, but didn't love sitting in front of a computer. So my journey has taken me uh, into um, from figuring out why computers don't speak to each other to trying to figure out potentially why humans can't work with each other. <laughs> so we build technology focused on, you know, how can we help bring together the right people to produce the right things? That's my passion. That's what I find uh, purpose in. I just, you know, I took the entrepreneurial journey because I just had a day where I realized that the only thing that I couldn't live with was not giving myself a shot to really go after something that I really believe in. And so I have ever since then, that was almost six years ago, been all in on building and building and building and putting my passion to work. And so far it's worked out. So, yeah. Well, That's congratulations. Great. It's always great when passion comes to life. That's good to hear that. We love those stories. Tell okay. us a little bit about your business, your company, uh, Interview IA. Give us a little background, what gave birth to this idea, and what is it that you guys do? Yeah, for sure. So uh, what gave birth to this idea was actually my previous company, which was called Jobber Group. We were a management consulting company in the hiring space in the trenches working with organizations to solve hiring problems. And right now across the world, the C-suite is concerned about talent. They're concerned about, can we get the right talent? Can we keep the right talent? And even before that, can we define and understand what is the right talent? Um, innovation is happening so fast that people are being hired for roles that didn't exist two years ago. We used to say you're getting, getting hired into roles that didn't exist 10 years ago. Now it's 
two, eventually maybe it'll be one, right? But for everything we're trying to solve, it takes transferable skills and we have to arm organizations with the ability to hire people based on their ability, not based on their history. Um, that also leans into a lot of things that are happening here in the US right now um, from a different perspective, right? There's a lot of conversation globally, but in the US around uh, equitable hiring, right? There's social inequality, racial inequality is a, is a big part of the conversation. And so we lean into that as, as to uh, through the lens of what we call pathways. If we can understand that we can build teams with people who have taken different pathways in life, but have all gotten to a place where they can have impact on this project, this role, this company, then we're going to build the best companies in the world. But we have to remove those barriers from people to say, hey, Tulio, you took a different pathway than me, right? That could be a different cat. That could be a different college. That could be obviously a different background from where you come from. It can be a different gender. It can be so many things that people latch onto. Um, I'll quickly tell one story and it's why we believe this needs to change. The first documented interview was done a hundred years ago by Thomas Edison. And mm -hmm. he would, in the interview, give people a bowl of soup. And if you added salt or pepper to that soup, you were kicked out immediately. He thought you were making assumptions, right? That you thought it needed salt or you thought it needed pepper. But Thomas Edison was making an assumption that that, that individual was making an assumption. And he ended up with a team full of people who like bland soup, right? That is what we have in the world is like hires like, and we all have that one thing that we think tells us what we need to know about this person to hire them. It's ineffective, it's expensive, it's inherently biased, and we're changing that for organizations. So we're fixing what Thomas Edison couldn't. He was a pretty smart guy, but we got something. All right, well, there's nothing worse than bland <laughs> soup. So we're all into the tasty soup. So let's go right into the topic today because I'm curious to learn more for sure, and as all of us are. Uh, Kim, what is the topic that Joe has chosen to speak about today? Let's go right into it. Sure. Thank you, Tulio. And nice to meet you, Joe. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. Uh, the chosen topic is IA versus AI, which will solve HR tech challenges. And more importantly, why HR tech should focus on enhancing humans, not replacing them with technology. And I think it's that second definition that's going to lead into my first question. And I think AI is a pretty simple acronym for most people, right? Artificial intelligence. What might not be as widely known is the acronym of IA. So what is IA? I'm pretty sure it's not intelligence artificial, so. <laughs> it is not. No, that's a good one though. <laughs> so no, it is intelligence amplification. And so um, the easiest way that we talk about it is driver assist versus self-driving car. There are other terms in this family um, that relate to IA cognitive augmentation, machine augmentation. It is really how can we effectively use technology to augment human intelligence? Real AI is kind of, is more so focused on how can we use technology to replace human in any way, shape or form. And so um, we lean into that augmented side. And so that's the, the straightforward answer is intelligence amplification, but it's how can we augment the intelligence of humans and their ability. Well, that's interesting. I mean, 
I think the perception by a lot of people is that AI is going to replace humans, but it's not accurate, right? As we have uh, spoken to a lot of luminaries about the proper use of AI, it really is about augmenting and enhancing and speeding things up and providing capabilities beyond what you humanly can do, right? We had someone talk about security with robots that basically can patrol an area you can have one person who can manage 20 robots, which uh, basically allows you to replicate yourself. But so let's go yeah, into and this. Helping, and recently also doctors, right? Helping yeah. with their cancer patients. Yeah. But you make an interesting point. That is that we ought to change the narrative about AI, maybe remove this artificial part of it, because it does create this sense of, uh, you know, I'm going to be replaced kind of mindset, right? And that's not the proper use of it. It's uh, obviously much broader and bigger than that. And there's great value to us as humans to be able to have these kinds of assistance. So let's go back to um, your your the topic here, you know, related to HR, right? How How are you proposing to use IA? to solve some of the problems that HR is facing. You mentioned some of them earlier in your introduction. If you had to break them down into like some key points, what are some of the biggest challenges HR faces right now? What are those? That's four or five key points that you think that need to be solved right now that your technology is tackling. Uh, yeah, so the new normal of remote and virtual hiring even though people will go back to offices before uh, or in some time, sometime in the near or mid future, midterm future, interviewing itself is going to be a lagger on that. We're not going to bring people into our uh, offices and parade them through panel interviews like we used to, even if we're back in the office as a workforce. So the likelihood of interviewing reverting back to its status quo of, hey, come into the office after one phone screen for most organizations, uh, we believe is not where things are headed for at least the next, uh, let's call it 24 months. We say 18 to 24 months. But that behavior shift is super important because now people are trying to figure out how to solve in this gap. Uh, second, it's ineffective and expensive when compared to the outcomes that it produces. Many organizations have high attrition and low performance. That is directly correlated to bad hiring outputs. Right. And so you have to solve that. Uh, it's inherently biased. How can we solve for the diversity of hiring that we need when we cannot truly understand the criteria? So those are three things that are very, very important. Um, and pathways is coming to light even due to COVID. Right. How can a someone from the hospital hospitality space transfer their skills to being a great talent and a great employee in the client success team? We all can probably see, hey, yeah, I could see how someone could transfer those skills. But there's many breakpoints within the interview process and within hiring where that fails. And we see companies day in and day out rejecting the hiring managers, rejecting someone based on their background and them not, and the hiring manager not being able to correlate that person's background to the actual skills that it takes to do the work, which leaves great talent in the market and leaves many companies underserved in the talent that they're seeking. So. That wasn't like very concise three points, but those are <laughs> three major lines of thinking. No, that's great. We actually have uh, one of our own folks who's in our HR recruiting 
with a, a few questions that have come up. She's uh, sent us a few questions. I'm actually asking, why don't we get Priscilla to just chime in? Can we open the screen here and let her in and just have her ask the questions directly? She's still, uh, are you still there, Priscilla? And if you're, if you're screen ready. <laughs> if you're screen ready. Otherwise, we'll be happy to ask them for you. Okay, there you go. Like, why don't you ask them directly yourself? Thank go ahead, you. Priscilla. Uh, well, well I, I do really want to be on the wave of the AI because I know that it's the future, but I also may be a little short-minded about the strategies that a, a team of talent acquisition can apply if they have a, a great technology to enhance the recruitment team. So I wonder if you have any any example of a company that uh, can uh, apply a new strategy for their team to to be better and take advantage of that. Those I imagine that I have three hours to do some other stuff and I'm excited about that, but I can imagine one what, what I what I can do. Do you have any ex examples about that situation? So as, as the question with, with a more efficient interview process, um, what are the other things that the talent team can be focused on? Is that yeah. the question pretty much? Yeah, I don't know if you have so an Joe, example I wanna, like I wanna, Joe, I wanna add that right there, that's a potential customer for you, by the way. Right there. Uh, we're, I think we're in different places on, yeah. on the screen. Yeah, there we right go. There. I was better the at person, this in the pre back The person the question could be a potential <laughs> customer of yours. So, so, yeah, I'm curious to hear the answer, too. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so one thing is, obviously, right now, um, hiring and recruiters are at the forefront, right? They are spending a lot of their time trying to diversify sourcing many many of the complaints they get are we don't have enough candidates right so easy easy um, answer is when the process of interviewing is more efficient and you're spending less time coordinating managing gathering the feedback going through the collaboration you have more hours in a day to be far more creative on your sourcing tactics which is something that recruiters are very very good at uh, additionally you can begin to architect better outcomes. Right now, recruiting has been very responsive, right? If you're always firefighting, which is generally recruiting, hey, we need this tomorrow, we needed this yesterday, we need this last month, or hey, we're about to roll this out and we need 100 people tomorrow, right? That's a fire drill, and if you're always in a fire drill, then you can never take the time to step back and architect better processes, more efficient processes. Our tool goes into detail of understanding within a given role are four rounds made up of these questions done by this team more effective than, than three rounds made up by these questions and doing it right. So as you can begin to architect that, you can create repeatable processes. You can build more confidence into your hiring managers. Um, so the time you get back from not having to chase hiring managers for feedback do all of the development of what are you asking and all of this can be built in architecting better processes, delivering better candidates from a sourcing perspective, and honestly being far more creative and taking a step back from being rea in, in reaction mode and get into strategic thinking. Imagine a world where recruiters can be far more strategic than just reactive. That's gonna create a whole better process from a recruiting and talent team. Those are just some direct, from a time management, those are some direct answers. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Regarding, 
sorry, Tulio. Regarding Interview IA, your system, what you offer, is this a sheerly kind of, I, I do the inputs and you track it and kind of give me the outputs, or do you have some type of uh, intelligence augmentation or perhaps um, consultation on your side that can help recruiters also discover what these questions are that we should be asking, what our ideal outcome is, what's that process look like? Yeah, no, great question. So calibration of questions and the indicators of those questions. So our question format is there's a question, there are positive and negative indicators. So tell me what to ask, tell me what to look for, and then there's a scoring system, tell me what you saw. We are calibrating at every single one of those data points to see which questions are effective, which questions are ineffective, one of our statements that we say is intention behind every question and data behind every answer. It's one thing to just ask a question, right? And say, what was the intent behind that? You know, we've heard, we've heard very funny interview questions. If you could be a kitchen, a kitchen utensil, which would you be? I mean, I don't know, a spork maybe so that I could be multitasking at times. I don't know what's the right answer, right? Uh, what were you saying, Tulio? I mean, seriously, people ask that question. You know, yeah. there's some, there's some parts of the world where cultures like uh, uh, even in India, the Brian caste, they eat with their hands. So that wouldn't even be an appropriate question to ask. <laughs> totally on a global I can't scale. Come up with these questions. <laughs> well, here's I what happens: a stick or a fork. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Who sits comes up with these questions? Seriously. <laughs> Well, this is what happens, right? Exactly. What's the intent behind that question? And if you don't know what the intent is, it's probably not a very good question. Totally. That's exactly (laughs) it. And that's definitely an extreme example, but it's a real question. I'm not making that up. Uh, And the interesting thing is when what happens, people get in interviews, right? So you're going through an interview, interview, interview. If you do that all the time, an interviewer gets bored. That's genuinely, I think, what happens. So what do they do? They start Googling creative interview questions or they Google this and they start to drift away. Not only have you started to come up with strange or odd interview questions that we have no idea what they intend to measure, but what you've created is that candidate number 10 has gone through a completely different interview than candidate number one. Because you, because I got bored. The candidates didn't get bored. They were answering the questions as given. But now we've created something where maybe the interview got better. And so I liked candidates seven, eight, and nine, but maybe I really was interviewing very poorly with candidates one through six. But now my outcome is, yeah, I really liked, you know, whichever candidate was candidate number eight. Uh, And it's really one other thing we say, which is a big part of how we coach interviewers is take the lesson and leave the story. Super important. Most people take the story and leave the lesson. Right. We went through, hey, I'm an Air Force brat. I basically grew up in Colorado. I like to snowboard. I like to do this kind of stuff. So now let's say that all comes up in an interview. Friday, you ask, hey, what do you think of Joe? Oh, the snowboarder who grew up. In- I love that guy. That's the story. Right. That's what we all retain is the story without any intention behind the questions in any context. And it continues to go. And think of how expensive that is throughout an organization when that's how we hire because I added salt or pepper or did not add salt or pepper to my soup. It's the same thing. It's very interesting. So here, I love it because the truth is you're flipping it, which I think we all kind of know, but we forget and don't accept is that the truth is the responsibility is mine as an interviewer, not necessarily yours as an interviewee, 
right? To offer up this great service, to have an element of, I think, consistency, right? And to remove any other variables that might otherwise affect someone's performance for no fault of their own. Totally. Um, going into this question of diversity, well, first of all, you mentioned how uh, your product can help minimize uh, bias. Mm -hmm. But before we talk about minimizing bias, I think it's important to talk about why bias should be eliminated in the first place. Like, why is diversity in the workplace important? What are we missing out on if we're not even aware of our own bias? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, so naturally, uh, like hires like. And we say that, right? You hire someone you're comfortable with. You hire someone that you can relate to. It's not um, the interviewer's fault. We all do that without giving, when we're not given some other structure or something else to measure. So we have to begin to move people away from that. If any of us on this call think of the best teams that we have been on, those teams were not necessarily teams where everyone got along and we all wanted to go out and get a beer together or a drink or, or anything. They were teams where there was mutual mutual respect between the team members, right? And I respected why you were there and you respected why I was there. And it created this healthy friction that created great ideas that then created great products. That comes from different perspectives. Different perspectives come from different pathways, like we talked about. Different pathways come from different backgrounds. So if we can begin to do that and understand that when we can understand the different criteria and measure do you have the skills and ability and the growth potential in this role? And then do you bring a different perspective? We can solve problems like never before because we will have a good lens of what's the problem we're trying to solve and we will have diverse ideas. That's the simplest way I can put it. Um, diverse perspectives create better outputs and there's a path to how you can architect that when you're building a team. Does that answer your question? I mean, that's yes, I think it. I think it does. And let's kind of get, if you, as far as you can, the intelligence behind what you do, uh, interview IA, mm -hmm. to help actually create these pathways. How does it work? Yeah. So uh, there are two things that we talk about. We talk about jaggedness, um, which is an understanding that all humans are individuals. And so as much as we like to categorize people and say, hey, I love to hire people who have an IQ of 103 or whatever. What makes up that IQ for every individual who has that exact same data point is different. Um, there's a research paper about how the military used to design aircrafts for the average pilot. Average height, average shoulder width, average arm length, average. There is no human in on the planet who aligns with those data points, right? I might have broader shoulders and be slightly shorter. I might have longer arms, but shorter legs. But when you average it all out, you have created something that doesn't exist on this planet. Yet for hiring, we always try to look at, can I get above or below average? Because we wanna categorize people. So for one, we look at, can we use data to understand the makeup of individuals, the attributes that they bring to the table? And then can we create scoring and weighted information behind that? And the second is context. And it's the methodology behind the questions and the data that we create from the interviewer. The interview process is a black box. No one knows what happens in this head once we go in a room and I ask all the questions. So for starters, we capture data that no system currently captures through enabling interviewers to 
in a more um, automated way, insert what they're seeing, what they're hearing. What did they ask? What were they looking for? And what did they see? That creates data that helps us to change the way that we approach this. And we are slow rolling the process to, a, to, to IA to really start to use machine learning, deep learning, um, neuro nets, but we don't wanna build biased technology. Right now, we need to focus on true data, so. Is there recording involved in that? Like when we're doing the digital calls where you, you record it and then the intelligence picks up on keywords and conversation blips and I can come back and, oh, I remember we talked about this and I really liked it. Is that a feature or features that you offer? So so our earlier versions did that. We do not do that now. So um, it's in the category of HCI, human computer interaction, right? How are you going to interact with the computer? You can record it. Um, we've done that. Linguistics is something that is very interesting. Understanding linguistics, linguistics can tell you tone, can tell you can give sentiment analysis. Did, was Joe angry? Was Joe not angry? Um, those things you can play with. They do not directly correlate based on all of our research to outputs of hiring. So now how will we change that? Will we record and will we make sure that you don't have to use a system to insert that information in the future? Yes. But for now, it's still done through standard, you know, this or laptop with the with the human entering the information. Um, it, it's a very, very important part of the process to not overstep and just do something cool, um, but to do it the right way, in our opinion. Well, I, it's interesting. Um, I would say it's probably fair to say that uh, maybe senior executives are a little disconnected from the recruiting process because that's a more personal relationship when hiring at those levels. And whereas managers who are potentially hiring 10, 20, 30 or more people, uh, I can see, you know, it's repetitive, right? So you start to get bored and you entertain yourself with different questions and you lose out in mm -hmm. capturing the best. So. So in building this, we're coming up on time too, in building this, what have been some of the hurdles you've had to overcome with companies and, and what have they learned with the implementation of this technology about themselves that they didn't know before? Are, mm -hmm. are they discovering things about you know, what's been broken? Are they addressing them? What's, how is this enhancing the whole process not just for hiring managers, but also for senior executives, giving them better visibility into perhaps reality of the hiring process. Can you share yeah. with us as we wrap up any uh, success stories or things that you've uh, seen work very well? Yeah, totally. I mean, so we do have the success stories of changing attrition um, numbers and lowering costs and all that. But I'll just tell a story of one of the first data points that we saw that we really didn't even know we were creating, and it's hiring manager performance. Um, how good or bad hiring managers are at scale is really, really telling um, and really important to executives. We saw with one of our initial clients, um, just buckets of hiring managers. Some skipped half the questions, some scored everyone is great, some scored everyone is bad, some asked none of the questions, some asked all of the questions. Um, within that, you start to question simple things. If we have hiring manager groups who regardless of the candidate and regardless of the interview that they are handed, they recommend everyone. Why is that person involved in the process, right? They're not adding any value to the process, yet we are spending time, money on those people being involved in the conversation. Um, the opposite side of the spectrum, if 
this individual is identifying more with male or female and scoring them dramatically different based on something that is not based in the interview. Wow, that's very telling as to the work that we need to do to build a more equitable hiring process. So the data that comes to light around how ineffective a process is, is really what was the first mind blowing thing for our clients. When you think of what it is, an interview is a meeting that happens inside every company uh, at any size, anywhere in the world, regardless of whether you're hiring a CEO or hiring a call center worker, questions are asked, questions are answered, it is documented, a decision is made. It's really that simple. Um, maybe you do whiteboard sessions, but if something is that repeatable, you can use technology to make it better. And so that was one of the biggest things that people saw is we can actually add process, efficiency, data, and management. This old saying, what you don't measure, you can't manage, is very, very applicable to this and a very straightforward data point that was unexpected, but very powerful for companies at scale to understand. Well, sounds like uh, technology worthwhile having. Uh, <laughs> very timely for sure. So it's been a pleasure to have you. One final question as we go. What's this journey been like for you to build this business? I mean, this year has been crazy, to be honest. Uh, we, we went through, uh, in the Q1, we lost a fair amount of our business. Our business was heavier consulting while we were still building out the product. Um, so we lost a fair amount of our business. Um, when we turned everyone internally to focus on the product and that was a game changer for us. So we have not lost a single employee. Everyone has been um, still on the team and it has accelerated our progress by about two quarters. So it's been a journey where as challenging as 2020 has been for everyone, it's offered up opportunity and challenge. And I just feel fortunate that, you know, along my journey and with our team, um, that we were positioned to be able to um, capitalize on some of the opportunity, not just fall prey to all of the challenges. And so I, I am very excited about where we're going. It's been a challenge. It's an up and ride journey as an entrepreneur, but I'll never go back on, on my one promise I made to myself that I'm just going to go after passion every day and it'll work itself out. Well, Joe, it's been a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, we wish you a lot of success, and we'll stay in touch to see how this progresses and comes along. Carlos, I really appreciate got, it. Yeah, it's been great to have you. Carlos, what do we got coming up? We got two more shows this week, right? Tomorrow yeah. and uh, Thursday. And Thursday, Tulio. That is right. Uh, tomorrow, Stephen Epstein uh, with Tax Credit Experts. He's the CEO, and we're going to be speaking about using tax credit to fuel growth, the most overlooked source of funding. So. That's, uh, that's uh, one that a lot of people are going to be looking forward to. And also on Thursday, we have Luca Emili, the CEO of Insilico Trails. And the topic is Accelerate Drugs and Medical Devices Development, the, di the Digital Revolution. That's with Luca Emili from Insilico Trails right here, Dojo Live, 1 p.m. Pacific. Great. Well, see you guys back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then, stay safe. Bye, everybody. Bye. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.